LW, Finite Factored Sets in Pictures by Magdalena Vaca. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Finite Factored Sets in Pictures, published by Magdalena Vaca on December 11, 2022 on Less Wrong. Finite factored sets are a new paradigm for talking about causality. You can use them to do some cool things you can't do with Perl's causal graphs, for example inferring a causal arrow between two binary variables. Also, finite factored sets are a really neat mathematical structure, they are a way of taking a set and expressing it as a product of some factors. Set factorizations are analogous to integer factorizations, in the same way that set partitions are analogous to integer partitions. So, here is my current understanding of finite factored sets, in pictures. 1. What are set factorizations? What do these factored sets look like? Let's start with a set S and factor it. The first concept we need is a partition of a set S. A partition is a way of chopping up S into subsets, called parts. Here are a few examples of partitions. We usually call the partitions X, Y, Z, U, V, or W, and their parts 11, Yi, like this. U is called the trivial partition. It only has one part. We can think of partitions as properties, or variables over our set. For example, consider a set like this. And compare it to the partitions X, Y and Z from above. Then, the partition X is the property color, with X1 equals blue and X2 equals orange. The partition Y is the property form with Y1 equals square, and Y2 equals circle. The partition Z is the property filled with Z1 equals yes, and Z2 equals no. Exercise. Consider these two partitions X and Y on the set S what would it look like to represent them as properties, for example X equals shape, Y equals color, instead? Spoiler space. It could look something like this. Here X equals shape equals, X1, X2, X3 equals, star, circle, square, and Y equals color equals Y1, Y2 equals, green, orange. I hope you can see how partitions and properties are basically the same thing. In the rest of this post, I will use partitions and properties interchangeably. Sometimes I will use the ring style visualization of partitions, and sometimes the property style, depending on what I find more intuitive in any given example. Now we can define set factorizations. A factorization B of our set S looks like this. A factorization is a set B equals B1, B2, Bn, of partitions, called factors. In this case B equals B1, B2 equals X, Y equals X1, X2 y1, y2. But it can't just be any set of partitions. In the following sections, I will explain the two conditions that B needs to fulfill in order to count as a factorization. There is a unique element for all combinations of properties. No factor is trivial. 1. There is a unique element for all combinations of properties. Let's look at our partitions in terms of properties again. What we need in order for B to be a factorization, is that for all combinations 11, each, of properties, for example, x1, y2, which is, blue, circle, there is a unique element with these properties. We can see that this is the case here, we have exactly one blue square, exactly one orange square, exactly one blue circle, and exactly one orange circle. To express it more mathematically, for b equals x1, x2, dot comma xn, to be a factorization, we need that for all x1, x1, x2, x2, dot xn, xn, it holds that the intersection of, x1, x2, dot comma xn, contains exactly one element. This means the Cartesian product of our factors is bijective to the set S, which justifies that we say we can express south as the product of our factors. 2. No factor is trivial. Here is an example of a non-factorization. 
b equals u v is not a factorization here because u is trivial and factors aren't allowed to be trivial this is analogous to integer factorization where we don't count one as a factor for example for the integer 6 we say the factorizations are 6 and 2,3 and don't mention 6,1 and 6,1,1 and 6,1,1,1 and so on exercise what about this is b equals x y factorization here take a moment to think for yourself more spoiler space no b is not a factorization why not let's look at it in terms of properties again we can see that there is not a unique element for every combination of properties for example there is no orange star and also no orange circle ie x1 y2 and x2 y2 are empty what about this one is b equals v a factorization dot yes it is this one is called trivial factorization each set can be factorized as b equals b1 with b1 being the maximally separating partition If you play around a bit with sets of different sizes, you will see that the possible set factorizations correspond to the integer factorizations of the set size. In particular, sets with a prime number of elements only have the trivial factorization. This concludes the examples for factorizations. Hopefully you now have some grasp on how factoring a set works. If we have a tuple f equals s b of a set s and a factorization b of s, then we call f a factored set. In this post I will assume that all sets are finite. and use factored set synonymously with finite factored set 2 what does this have to do with causality the building blocks in this section i will introduce three building blocks three structures on factored sets that will help us make the connection to causality later in section 3 i will then use these building blocks to model the causal structure behind a probability distribution with factored sets similar to causal graphs the three building blocks are The history of a partition X is related to a random variable set of ancestors in a causal graph. Orthogonality of two partitions X, Y means they have no shared history. In the Perl paradigm, we know that two variables X and Y have no common ancestors if and only if they are independent. Analogously, Scott Garabrant proved that in the factored set paradigm, two variables are orthogonal if and only if they are independent. Conditional orthogonality of two partitions. In the Perl paradigm, we know that two variables x and y are d-separated if and only if they are conditionally independent. Proof here and here. Analogously, Scott proved that in the factored set paradigm, two variables are conditionally orthogonal if and only if they are conditionally independent. Time. Saying a partition A is before B is related to a causal path going from A to B in a causal graph. History. Consider an eight-element set S, which is factorized into the factors color, shape, and fill. like this here the factored set f is f equals s b with the factorization b equals color shape fill now let's consider a partition property a which does not need to be a factor ie a does not have to be color shape or fill here now assume we know some properties of an element s and want to figure out if it is in a1 or in a2 the fill doesn't matter for this so the minimum required properties for finding out are color shape if we know that the color is blue then the color would be enough to determine that we are in a2 but in order to reliably find out if we are in a2 we need both color and shape this is what we will call the history of a we say that in a factored set f the history hfa of a property a is the set of properties we need in order to figure out a once we build up factored sets as a model for a causal structure the history of a partition a will correspond to the set of ancestors of a random variable in a causal graph note that i represent a as these red rings and color shape fill as properties i could just as well represent a as a property too 
for example different sizes, but I prefer this representation because it distinguishes the factors in our factorization, color, shape, fill, from the variable A whose history we want to find. Exercise. The history HFA of a property A is the set of properties we need in order to figure out A so, what is the HFA here? HFA equals, color. You only need to know the color in order to tell if an element is in A1 or in A2. Notice that in this case, A equals color. So HFA equals, color, is the same as HF color equals, color. Which is basically just saying that you just need to know the color in order to find out the color. In general, for every factor B in our factorization, it holds that HFB equals B. Another exercise, what if A is the trivial partition? What is HFA here? Here, the history is empty. HFA equals, we don't need to know any properties, because we already know that every S is in A1. Orthogonality. Now we have defined history, we can define orthogonality, which is closely related to independence of random variables. We say that two partitions A, B are orthogonal, if their histories don't overlap. Exercise. Are A and B orthogonal here? No. The history of A is HFA equals, color, shape. The history of B is HFB equals, color, fill, so the histories overlap. In the Perl paradigm we know that two variables X and Y have no common ancestors if and only if they are independent. Analogously, Scott Garabrant proved that when we use a factored set to model causal structure, I'll explain how to do that in section 3, then two variables are orthogonal if and only if they are independent. Note that in any factorization, the factors are all orthogonal to each other, because HFB equals B, for any factor B, we only need color to infer color, remember, so HFB1 HFB2 equals if B1 does not equal 2. Scott also defines conditional orthogonality as an analog of D separation. I won't define conditional orthogonality here in order to keep things simple, but you can find the definition here. In the Perl paradigm there is a theorem called soundness and completeness of D separation. Two variables X and Y are D separated with regard to a set of variables Z if and only if X and Y are conditionally independent given Z, proof here and here. Scott's central result is the analog of this theorem in the factored set paradigm. Two variables X, Y are conditionally orthogonal with regard to a set of variables Z if and only if X and Y are conditionally independent given Z. Technically it's slightly more complicated, but this is the gist. Time. We say that a partition A is weakly before B if A's history of A is a subset or equal to B's history, i.e. HF HFB. We say that A is strictly before B if A's history is a strict subset of B's history, i.e. HF HFB. This notion of time is closely related to the concept of a causal arrow going from A to B in a causal graph. You can imagine A's history like everything that comes before A in time, so if everything that's in A's history is also in B's history then A is before B. Exercise. Is A or B weakly or strictly before the other here, i.e. is one of the histories of A or B a subset of the other? Reminder, history equals set of properties needed to infer our partition. A is strictly before B, HFA equals, color, shape, and HFB equals, color, shape, fill, so HFA HFB. Now we have the building blocks to use factored sets for causal inference. 3. Causal inference using factored sets. In this section I will walk through an example of inferring causality from data using factored sets. Consider an experiment in which we collect two bits. The distribution P looks like this. P00 equals 1%, P01 equals 9%, P10 equals 81%, P11 equals 9%. Let's say X is the first bit, and Y is the second bit. In the causal graph paradigm, we would observe that X and Y are dependent. PX equals 0 equals 10% does not equal PX equals 0. Y equals 0 equals 182. 
Thus we are not able to distinguish between these three causal graphs. We don't know whether X causes Y, Y causes X, or there is some common factor W that causes both. How do we look at this in the factored set paradigm? In the factored set paradigm, start with the sample space ohm of our distribution P. We then say a model of the distribution is a factored set F equals S, B, and a function Fs omega. Xs and Es are the preimages of X and Y under F. By that I mean that all their parts X, C and Y, S, J are the preimages of 11 and Ud respectively, under F. That looks as follows. Note that in this case F is bijective, but in general F does not have to be bijective. If we allow F to be non-bijective, then the framework works in more generality because we can describe some processes that we couldn't otherwise describe. However, we can't just use any factorization B in order for F, F, to count as a model of our distribution P. It needs to be such that the dependencies and independencies of our distribution are represented in the factorization. That means, two variables X and Y are independent in P if and only if XS and S are orthogonal in F, i.e. their histories don't overlap. Two variables X and Y are dependent in P if and only if XS and S are not orthogonal in F. Remember, our probability distribution P was. P00 equals 1%, P01 equals 9%, P10 equals 81%, P11 equals 9%. Is the following actually a model of P? No, it is not. X and Y are dependent in P, but XS and S are orthogonal in F. Note that orthogonality depends on what model we are and what factorization we use. Here is a really tricky one. Is this a model of P? Also no, but this is hard to see, so let's walk through it. Consider the variable Z equals XX or Y. We don't have to express our distribution in terms of X and Y, we can just as well define it in terms of X and Z and then it looks like this. POO equals PX equals 0, Z equals 0 equals 1%, PO1 equals PX equals 0, Z equals 1 equals 9%, P10 equals PX equals 1, Z equals 1 equals 81%, P11 equals PX equals 1, Z equals 0 equals 9%. We can see that Z and X are independent. Because Z equals 0 equals 1% plus 9% equals 10%, and also Z equals 0, X equals 0 equals 1% 9% plus 1% equals 10%, and Z equals 0, X equals 1 equals 9% 81% plus 9% equals 10%. What does this mean for our model? It means that ZS and XS need to be orthogonal. Are ZS and XS orthogonal in our model? Here it is again. No because the history for both XS and ZS is, V, so XS and ZS have an overlapping history. So F equals, S, versus, is also not a model of P. Does our distribution P have a model at all? Yes, here is a model that actually works for P. Here HF XS equals XS, and HF ZS equals, ZS, and HF East equals, XS, ZS. This means XS and ZS are orthogonal which matches our observation that X and Z are independent in P also XS and S are not orthogonal, which matches our observation that X and Y are dependent in P. It also means that HF XS HF S, so XS is strictly before S. If XS is strictly before S, then the causal arrow goes from X to Y, so we have found a causal direction. It's this one. From what we know so far, this causal direction's I only holds for this particular model, F, F, but in fact, you can also prove that Xi holds for any model of this distribution P. So, we just inferred causality from observational, as opposed to interventional, data, in a way that Perl's causal models wouldn't have inferred. Sanity checking the result in Perl's paradigm. I have encountered a lot of skepticism that we can infer the causality Xi here. So I'm going to switch back to the Perl paradigm, 
and explain why x causes y if our distribution is p, and we can actually infer that from only observational data without needing interventional data. This section will assume you know how to determine, independence in probability distributions and in causal graphs. If you don't, you can either just believe me, or learn about it here and here. Again, say x is the first bit, y is the second bit, and z equals xx or y here is our distribution again, in table form. Size pex, y, z0001% 0119% any other combination of x, y, and z0%. The, independencies we can read from this are. X and Y are dependent. X and Z are independent. Y and Z are dependent. The possible causal graphs which fulfill these dependencies and independencies are these four. So, we know that Y does not cause X. This matches our finite factored set finding that X causes Y, but it's weaker. Can we also infer that X causes Y? Let's concretize the above graphs by adding the conditional probabilities. Graph 1 then looks like this. Graph 2 is somewhat trickier, because W is not uniquely determined. But one possibility is like this. Note that W is just the negation of Z here, W equals negation Z. Thus, W and Z are information equivalent, and that means graph 2 is actually just graph 1. Can we find a different variable W such that graph 2 does not reduce to graph 1? I.e. can we find a variable W such that Z is not deterministic given W? No, we can't. To see that. Consider the distribution PZ, X, Y, W. By definition of Z, we know that. PZ, X, Y, W equals 1 if Z equals X, X or Y, 0 otherwise. In other words, PZ, X, Y, W, is deterministic. We also know that WD separates Z from X, Y and graph 2. This D separation implies that Z is independent from X, Z given W. PZ. W equals PZ, W, X, Y. As PZ, X, Y, W, is deterministic, PZ, W, also has to be deterministic. So, graph 2 always reduces to graph 1, no matter how we choose W analogously, graph 3 and graph 4 also reduce to graph 1, and we know that our causal structure is graph 1. Which means we also know that X causes Y. The reason why we usually wouldn't have found this causal direction using causal graphs is that we wouldn't even have considered Z as potentially interesting. This is what factored sets give us, they make us consider every possible way of defining variables, so we don't miss out on any information that may be hidden if we just look at a predetermined set of variables. Summary. Set factorizations are a way of expressing sets as a product of some factors, similar to how integer factorization is about expressing integers as a product of some factors. We can define a history on them that tells us which properties came before other properties. We say that two variables are orthogonal if they have no shared history. Using these notions of history and orthogonality, we can define a mathematical structure called model of a probability distribution. With this model, we can do causal inference, inferring causal structure from data. Factored sets let us infer causal relations that we usually wouldn't have found using causal graphs. For example, if we have two binary variables x and y, and x is independent from x x or y, then we can infer the causal directions I. Further reading. I hope you got a bit of a grasp on finite factored sets, and see why they are really neat. If you want to read more, the best entry point is probably this edited transcript from a talk by Scott Garabrant. For a non-mathematical intuition how Scott relates the concepts of time, causality, abstraction, and agency, see his saving time post. I haven't looked closely into AI alignment-specific applications of factored sets, but it looks like they can be used to better talk about embedded agency, decision theory, and ELK. 
This post is a result of a distillation workshop led by John Wentworth at Sari Matz. I'd like to thank Leon Lang, Scott Garabrant, Matt McDermott, Jesse Hoogland, and Marius Hobhan for feedback and discussions on this post. Note that the number of set factorizations of an N element set is not the same as the number of integer factorizations of N, because elements are distinguishable. So for example these two factorizations do not count as the same factorization. Actually, it's somewhat more complicated than X and Y are, conditionally, orthogonal if and only if they are independent. The full version is more like if XS and S are partitions on a set S, which has a mapping FS omega to the sample space, then XS and S are, conditionally, orthogonal if and only if the images X and Y of XS and S are, conditionally, independent. But for the sake of this explanation, if you just remember that orthogonality independence, that's enough. Even if F is not bijective, the preimages XS and S of X and Y are always well-defined partitions. Here are two examples in which F is not bijective. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.